Lord, you are worthy of our praise and adoration, and we glorify you, Lord. Lord, the fact that your Son, Jesus Christ, humbly took on uh, the, the, the role of the servant, the role of, of, of one who would, would humbly take the cross, a cross that he himself did not deserve to, to bear, and that he would, he would say, Lord, not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. Lord, Father, it was your plan, your will, Lord, to save people, to save humanity, Lord. And, and the line of that one song where Christ um, stayed on the cross for us, Lord, that he remained on the cross, and at any moment, Lord, you could have said enough, but you remained there on the cross, shedding your blood until, until, until death, Lord. God, what compassion, what love, what grace, what kindness. Uh, we are forever grateful. We are forever thankful, Lord, to you, Lord. And now you are a, a glorious risen Savior. Every star, every galaxy, every molecule, and everything in this universe is held together by your word. Lord, how much more our lives, Lord. We exalt you today, Father. We praise you, Lord. In the midst of a cruel and dark world, we cry out, God is still king. God is still on the throne. God is still good. We bless your name, Lord. Let it be that the, the rocks that would, that would cry out if we weren't praising you, Lord, let it be that we drown out those rocks, Lord, with our praises. How could we not go through life being thankful to you, Lord? For all eternity, we will look to the Lamb, our risen Savior, and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us as orphans. Your Holy Spirit is with us. Praise you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Praise the Holy Spirit. He's, he is God. He teaches us about Christ. He comforts us. He encourages us through your word. And, Bless the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, your word nourishes our soul. We, your word is truth. It's life. God, may you open our eyes, the eyes of our heart to understand your word. To let the word minister to us, Lord. We ask that you would bless this time in your word. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Wonderful, wonderful worship. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I, I don't know what, what the, the last song and the song before. I forget the name of the song. I just, I just was, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the image of Christ being on the cross and just remaining there for us until the job was complete, you know, it was kind of just, I don't deserve that. And yet he would do that. I mean, if, I, if you and I were the only person that needed that, he'd still come. I mean, that just blows my mind. That, that God would do that. And that God's goodness would be shown to us in such a powerful way. It just, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to start preaching before I start preaching, okay? I'm excited. I don't know about you, but there's not, you know, you look around the world, there's not much to be excited about, but you look to Christ, I'm just, Lord, I feel alone here, but that's okay. I'm with the Lord. <laughs> I got an amen here. <laughs> okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to... Genesis chapter 42. We're back in Genesis. Bless the Lord. Talking about Joseph and how God dealt in his family. And uh, we'll see how far we get. Joseph, 
was sold into slavery by his dear brothers. <laughs> Joseph, who has been away from his, his family 20 some odd years, 22 years, 22 years of, of wondering. You know, he had received dreams from God when he was 17, dreams that sort of forecasted that someday his own family would bow down to him. But now those dreams are all kind of like gone and lost and forgotten. And Joseph has now been in Egypt. He is, he is second only to Pharaoh. Second only to Pharaoh. This, this, this little Hebrew kid is now in charge. And, God, and you, we've talked about all the story about that. And now seven years of, of wonderful plenty has come and gone. And through God's providence and guidance of Joseph, hey, we need to save up some grain to have something to eat. Now it's two years into the famine. And Joseph is in charge. And guess who comes into his presence but his brothers. His brothers who have no idea that Joe is before him, have no idea what God is doing. And Joseph recognizes them, and he's like, okay, I've got to see, have these guys changed? What's going on with my family? I haven't heard much. And in chapter 42, he kind of treats them a little harshly to put them through a test. He locks them up for three days, and it's during those times they're locked up that they realize we're guilty concerning our brother. Three days in an Egyptian prison was nothing compared to the years that Joseph spent in jail or locked up. And they realize that God is doing something. And if you look at the course of the story, God is moving this momentous thing that's going to happen because he has to bring his family of, of Israel to Egypt to protect them. And the last time we saw they they were sent away. Joseph said, leave one of your brothers here and go get your youngest brother. Now, the youngest brother, his name is Benjamin, was actually Joseph's full brother. They're the sons of Rachel, whom Jacob really loved, Rachel. Now, you leave Simeon here. Now, Simeon is the, is the second oldest. You leave Simeon here, go get your brother. Go get Jacob. And on the way there, they stop, and then one of them opens up their bag of goodies for their cattle and their, for their donkey or whatever, and they, they find out their money's been returned. That, he's like, what's going on? What has God done to us? Verse 28, what has God done to us? Now, in verse 29, they get back to Jacob. Jacob, of course, who has... Um, Remain there with Benjamin. It says, Then they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, verse 29, and told them all that happened to them, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke harshly with us and took us for spies of the country. So we said, We are honest men. This whole thing of honesty kept coming up. We're honest men. We're honest men. We're honest. Are you really honest men? Are you retelling the truth, Joseph? How do I know you're not like, go bring your youngest brother here to see if you're really telling the truth? We're honest men. The whole, they've been lying to her there for 20 years. We're honest men, and God's intersecting in their lives in their, in their point of confession. They're, we're honest men. We're not spies. We're 12 brothers, and they seem to spill their guts here, you know. Hey, we're 12 brothers. One of our brothers is no more. The youngest is with our father today. Do you want my mother's maiden name too and social security number? We're just, we'll just confess everything to you, right? I mean, God has really brought them to the place of like, okay, that's, that's it. We're in trouble here. Verse 33, Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and gold. But bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you're not spies but honest men. And I will give your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Now here's what's going on. You're, if you look at the story beforehand, it was a little more, uh, more, more, more uh, less. They're softening the blow for, for, for dad. Hey, yeah, the man said, hey, hey, keep your brother here. Everything's going to be okay. Bring your youngest brother here so we can trade. And the way they're presenting it to dad was really hopeful. Why? Because they know that that Jacob's not going to really give up Jacob or uh, Benjamin that easily. What really happened was 
if you don't bring, if, okay, I'm going to lock up Simeon, it's a little more harsh, right? So they're kind of telling it so that dad can sort of like believe them more and say, hey, dad, it's, okay, it's going to be okay, send Benjamin. You know, he's allowing us to go and trade and land. Reality is, it's a little bit more harsh and direct than that. They don't want to tell dad. They have told dad enough bad news. Now, it happened, verse 35, that they were emptying the sacks. And behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And they and their fathers saw the bundles of money, and they feared. Okay, they get back to Jacob, less one brother. They tell this wonderful, this wonderful story, hey, the man back there has got Simeon, but it's going to be okay. But then when they open up their sacks, and there's money in all their sacks, things don't good look for them. Wait, did I just like reverse my language here? Things, I spell, sound like Yoda, right? <laughs> things don't look good for them. Why? Whoa, 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 guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got grain and you got money. Did you steal the grain? Did you get the grain and, and steal the money? Or did you, did you get the grain and sell your brother for the money? Wait a second. You guys did this with Joseph 20 years ago, guys. No wonder Jacob doesn't trust these turkeys. They come back 20 years ago. Is this your son's tunic? Where did you get the extra cash? Reuben? Levi? So it says they opened up their sacks of money and they were, they were dismissed. It says they feared. You see that word fear? You know the first time that word yareh in Hebrew? It's the word to be afraid or dismayed. The first time it's used is in Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve sinned, they hid and God came looking for them. Where are you? I hid because I was afraid. I'm afraid because my sin is now exposed. If there was any hope of convincing a quick, hey, let's just make this deal going on real fast, Dad, to get Benjamin down, now it's like completely exposed. And everything has turned against them. Their father, Jacob, verse 36 says to them, you have bereaved... Now, here's the thing. I'm going to take some time on Jacob tonight, this morning, okay? I'm going to read through to verse 14 of the next chapter. So stay with me, okay? Because here's the thing. God's going to do something in all of the individual lives of this family, including Jacob. Their father, Jacob, said to them, you have bereaved me. That means you made me childless. And it means to, to cause a death of a child, a violent death. You have, you, have, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Here, I want you to sense Jacob's. He's, he's been walking in sorrow for 20 years. 20 years he's been walking in this sorrow. All these things are against me. I want you to highlight underneath that line, that line right there. All these, we're going to come back to that, okay? Then Reuben speaks up. Reuben is his oldest child. And Reuben, if you look at the past in Genesis, Reuben, he kind of got on dad's bad side because he slept with one of Jacob's handmaids. And that wasn't good. In fact, if you look at chapter 49, when Jacob blesses his family, he says, he says, Reuben, you're my firstborn. You're preeminent. You're like, you you're, should be in first place. You should have, you know, you're the leader. But because you did that, uh-uh. Reuben is trying to get back onto, God, and, onto Jacob's good side. Hey, and it was Reuben. Reuben said, you know, hey, guys, I told you not to do this, to, not to sin against the lad. Joseph hears that. Reuben says, hey, Dad, verse 37, you may put my two sons to death if I don't bring him back to you. Put him in my hand, and I'll read. He's trying here, right? Dad, you can kill my sons. 
Now, it sounds noble, but it's really tragic. Why are you going to kill my grandkids? What is that going to do? Put grief in, but he's trying. Put him in my hand and I'll return him to you. But Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone remains. If harm should befall him on the journey which you are going, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol. That's the place of the dead in sorrow. Did you notice, look back here, if harm should befall him where? You know, he doesn't say, if the man of the land should keep Benjamin, or something bad to happen to Benjamin there in Egypt. No, if harm will happen on the way there, what's he saying? I don't trust you guys. Now, sometimes when you break trust, it, when, you, when you've been a non-trustworthy person, it's hard for people to trust you again, right? And you may be saying, I'm, I'm changed. Hey, that's great. But <laughs> So Jacob is really having a hard time saying, um, I am not letting go not, that, that youngest boy. When Joseph was gone, Benjamin became my, 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 my favorite. That's a little you know, problem with Jacob, favoritism or anything, but... He's like, I am not, and if something happens to him, I'm going to die a sad man. This grief that he's been under, I don't blame him. He's, he's, he doesn't know what's going on. Let me continue reading, we'll come back. Now, between verse, at the end of chapter 42 and the beginning of chapter 43, some time has passed. The Hebrew indicates this is now the famine. The Hebrew indicates there's some time that has passed, okay? Like, nothing's changed Jacob has refused to say, yes, yeah, so I'll go along with this plan. Meanwhile, food's running out. Meanwhile, nothing's changed. Now we're at a standstill. The, he- the, the, the famine of the land was, it was heavy, heavy in the land. That's, a word that's it's the word that's similar to the word for glory. Glory means heavy. The glory of the Lord, right? There's heaviness. There's a, there's a weightiness to it. There's a weightiness of this, this famine that's not going away. And it happened that while they, when they had finished, verse 2, uh, finish eating the grain which they brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back and buy us a little food. And now Judah speaks up. Now, first of all, I think Jacob is hoping that they have forgotten that what the deal was, hey, you're supposed to bring your youngest brother. He's probably hoping that they had short-term memory loss and say, go buy some more grain, you know, go to the store. But Judah, who is now, Judah is... We remember from chapter 38 where Judah becomes a changed man, right? Judah is, you know, is a turkey in chapter 38, but now he's going to come into this prominent role because he's going to be the lead tribe, the leader of Israel. And Judah says, hey, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If The man was serious. We're not going to go, Dad. If you send our brother with us, verse 40, uh, verse 4, we will go down with you and buy food. Do look at the look at verse four. If you will send who? Do you know what it was before? Dad, your son. Now it's our brother. See that there's a, there's something going on here, right? But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, "You shall not see my face unless your brother's with you." Now look at verse six. I'm going to just comment real fast before I get to what I really want to focus on. I'm taking some time to look at this. Then what? Look at verse 6. Then who? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Then Israel. Who's Israel? The last time we heard Israel referred to Israel was a couple chapters ago. Jacob is who he's known as the heel catcher, as the deceiver, as the one who tripped up his brother to get the blessing, get the firstborn rights, and all, you know, and that's how he's managed his life his whole life. But Israel is his name after he's wrestled with God and prevailed, and God says, now you're Israel. Israel is his new name. Jacob is his old name. Now we see this change that God's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm just catching on that. Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you had another brother? Jacob feels as if now his world has, is collapsing. Jacob has managed his life on his own terms, right? I'm not letting go of, of well, Joseph is my, first, my, my favorite, but he's gone. I'm not letting go of Benjamin. You guys, no way, no way. I'm not going to let him go. 
But why did you tell the guy you had? Why couldn't you at least be a little dishonest, you know, and kind of hide that fact? Why did you have to spill your guts to the guy? See, when you've been living your life under your management for so long and things aren't working anymore, it, it comes crashing down. And God, here in Jacob's life, he doesn't realize God's in control of the whole thing. And now it's becoming too much for Jacob. Why? Where was I at? Verse 7. Verse 6. Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? I can handle that, but now you've given, now I'm forced to make a decision. Either I'm going to starve here with, with Benjamin at my side, or I'm going to let Benjamin go with you and take the risk that he may not come back. It's never an easy thing. It's like, what am I doing here? They said, the man questioned us particularly about, verse 7, about our, us and our kids, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we told them concerning these things. How could we possibly have known that he'd say, bring your brother down? It's not our fault, Dad, right? How could we possibly know that he was going to... See, you can't prevent all your problems. You can't prevent... Some of us want to live life like we're in control of our life. Like we want to prevent every single... Like we want to make sure nothing... You know, okay, it's good to be safe, you know. But there's some things that God has to be orchestrating in your life and bring you to a place. Bring you to a place where you're going to say... Okay, God. Now watch this. I haven't gotten to where, what I want to talk about today, okay? So where this is preliminary introduction, preview stuff, all right? You guys with me? All right. Then Judah speaks up and says to his father Israel, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. We, as well as you and our little ones, there's three generations, you, Dad, us, and our kids, are, are relying on this one decision. Now, if you hold on to, to Benjamin, hold on to my, my little precious Benjamin, we're all going to die, Dad. But I will guarantee you, I will, I myself, first nine, will be the guarantee for him. From my hand, you may require of him. If I do not bring him back to you and send him before you, then I shall bear the sin before you all the days. I love Judah's change here. Because in chapter 38, it's all about Judah, Right? But here in chapter 43, Judah says, your happiness is my first concern, Dad. I'll, I'll, Dad, I'll, I'll step in. You know, Reuben tried. You can kill my sons. Judah's like, no, it's on me. That, that's a changed man right there, right? I, I, I'm going to take, the, I'm gonna take the, uh, the risk here. Your happiness is more important to me than mine, God, Dad is what he's saying. I myself, verse 40, 49, or verse 9, I don't know what verse I'm looking at, verse 49, what, sorry. I myself will be the guarantee for him. For my hand you may require of him. If I don't bring him back and send it before you, then I shall bear this sin before you all my days. I'm willing to do this, Dad, but we got to live. In fact, verse 10, if we had not delayed, surely we could have returned twice. Then their father, Israel, said to them, Okay, if it must be so, then do this. Take some the best products of the land in your bags. Bring them down as a present. He's very wise. Hey, you're going before a very powerful man. Give him some gifts. A little balm, a little honey, aromatic gum, some myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. And then take double the money, verse 12, into your hand, and take back your hand, in your hand, the money that was put... In the mouth, back in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Perhaps they just gave you the grain and forgot to take the money. And take your brother also and arise and return to the men. And may God Almighty, else should I, grant you compassion before the man. In this whole story, this is the only time that Jacob has recognized God. Before, it's Jacob on his own. Now it's Israel with God. He acknowledges that God is in control by calling him. El Shaddai is the one who called him, that appeared to him, that made promises to Jacob. 
May God Almighty grant you compassion before the man so that he will release to you your other brother, Benjamin. And here it is. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Wow. I'm going to stop there uh, because I see a change in Jacob and I see what's going on in, in his life. But Jacob, who, who feels like in verse 36, he says, all these things are against me. Jacob, who had been a man who had lived by faith, and know the Lord for a hundred years. Who was a fighter since he was an infant. He was, he was the, the heel catcher. He was a deceiver. But he was struggling with people all his life. And he struggled with God and God victorious. Jacob, who has a tremendous opportunity to live by faith and to demonstrate to his children, guys, hey, things are against us, but we're going to trust the Lord. All these things are against me. Here's the cry of a man who is not right now looking at the Lord. Is he? Here's a man who's walked with the Lord all his life. He's seen visions. He's had angels visit him. He saw the ladder going up to heaven. And the Son of Man walked, you know, the angels of God going, you know, he's seen all these things. He's had God provide for him for his, for his life time and after time and after time. He received a promise from the Lord that God would be with him wherever he went. Yet for some reason he says, all these things are against me. And when his sons returned back 20 years ago, when Joseph was missing... That was the start where he said, that's it, all things are against me. Do you notice how an exaggeration that is? All things are against me? Sometimes when you're in pain, one little thing will set it all off and it feels like the whole world's against you. Here's a man who is in tremendous pain, who is grieving, and he can't take one more bad news. How many of you guys have ever been there before? Where you feel like all things are against me? And that's all you see, that's all you feel, is everything against you? Now, we have the advantage of, of stepping back, right? We have the advantage of looking outside of the story, but let's imagine we're in the story right now. And the perspective right now as the reader is, hey, Jacob, wait a second here. Y'all don't know what God's doing. The things that you think are against you is actually God working for you. But when you're in the midst of the pain... You know, pain has a, uh, has, a, has a tendency of bringing a very pessimistic perspective, doesn't it? It's, not a, it's very natural in one sense when you're going through the pain to say, everything's against me. It's all against me. I, I, I'm, I'm, listen, some of, us are, are, some of us are tiggers in here. <laughs> and we're always bouncing around, you know. Some of us are, well, I'll get to your, okay? <laughs> Some of us are our poo bear. We just kind of, we just kind of chill, right? And somehow we just kind of stumble into the, into the jar of honey, you know, and it's there. Some of us are like rabbit, rabbit. And we have to make sure everything is in our charge and our control because we're so type A and we're so, you know, and then if things don't go out, we, we're like Martha, you know? Mar- Martha and Mary, you know? And some of us are like Eeyore. Eeyore, it's always a bad day for Eeyore, right? Jacob is experiencing an Eeyore season, isn't he? And when you're in that pessimistic attitude where all things are against me, everything, even good news is bad news to you because you don't believe the good news, do you? Right? 
Even the good news is hard to accept. Oh, that's too good. That's for somebody else but me. How many of you guys have been there? Okay, fellow Eeyores, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What if God doesn't come through? What if something were to happen? What if, what if, when we focus focus on what ifs and what we think can't happen, because as we figured it out, and so we play it safe, we keep Benjamin close to us. How dare I take a risk ever of, of risking my life or my heart to love or be loved again? I'm going to stay inside all the rest of my days. I'm not going to interact with anyone. I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm not going to. I'm just going to live and exist. That's Jacob. And Jacob is a man in pain, and pain often distorts the full picture. And, and Jacob, he assumes all things are against him. He says, Joseph's no more. Is that true? Simeon is no more. Is that true? And I think Benjamin will be no more if I trust you with you guys. So we, that's not going to be true either. But somehow he is determined on his own little understanding of what's going on. He's, that, okay, I guess there's no way out. It's, I guess that's it. There's no hope. There's no hope. And I'm the one person on planet Earth where there's no hope. God loves and has, has a powerful plan for everyone else but me because I'm hopeless. All things are against me. I can tell I'm preaching to nobody. I'm kidding. See, I got your attention there. (laughs) He says, all things are against me. Jacob, you mentioned three things, and those things aren't even true. But you think they're true, and so you're behaving as if all things are against me. When things go contrary to our plans, all things are against me. When things go contrary to what we, th- we think should happen. When the world is against you, listen. Okay, listen. Um, life is full of challenges, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you can turn on the news or turn on social media, turn on whatever, and you see all these things that are against us, right? And we think, that's it. That's the end of the story. That's all there is. I can't I can scroll through my news feed and whatever Twitter or X or Y or Z what is it called I can go through all that and feel like the whole world's against me and in one sense the world is against Christians amen yeah. Is that the whole story child and our life goes in the wrong direction and marriage turns difficult our job becomes unstable our health goes downhill the economy our culture society all things are against us isn't it and if all we see is like a jacob perspective then we'll be convinced that there's nothing i can do And our problems are pretty big. And we become hesitant, fearful, pessimistic. We don't take risks. And we don't even pray. I, 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 um, I, I read this, and I, I was looking at this a couple weeks ago, and I was like, wait, Jacob, you don't realize what God's doing, because that man you're afraid of is actually your son. Joseph, and God is bringing your other sons into repentance. We were guilty concerning our brother. Our brother, he's our brother. What have we done? Jacob, don't you realize the momentum movement that God is doing in your life? You're not fighting against some man. You're fighting against God again. It's God's will for you to be down there. All, things, all these things are against me. No, Jacob, all these things are meant for you. God's going to bring you to your son. He's going to develop you. But you have to let go of holding on to Benjamin. 
He can't be your idol, Jacob. Many Christians are Christians in said confession, but a lot of us are practical atheists. Ouch. We live as if there is no God. We live as if all things are against us. Yeah, a lot of things are against us, but we live as if God is just standing back there being silent and doing nothing. As if he is out of the picture completely and completely powerless of what we're facing. And we don't realize that God is actually the one that's working in those circumstances. What good is it believing in a God who can't bring you through life's difficulties? What good is it believing in a God who can't bring you through all the, you know what the world wants to throw at you? Am I preaching to anyone? Or am I just speaking loud? I mean, I love what it says in Romans. Go to Romans real fast. I'm just going to... Romans 8, verse 18. Romans 8, verse 18. 18, verse, uh, Romans 8, verse 18. Verse 18, yes. Paul says, For I consider that the, what? Suffering. Sufferings of this present time. By the way, that was 2,000 years ago. And there was sufferings back then? <laughs> Nothing's changed. Let's look at church history. The world has hated Christians since day one. We went to Caesarea. Remember Caesarea by the ocean there? Okay. And we went and we saw the, the, the oval track thing. Um, what's it called? The, not, yeah, there were they had chariot races. Do you know, uh, if you read Eusebius' church history, that there in Caesarea, they would take Christians and take branches of trees, bend down the branches, attach their arms, and split the Christians as just, just for sport. Paul says, oh, the, the sufferings of this present time, and we're, we're, listen, we're going to go through, we're going through sufferings, and if you're, conv- if you're like wondering, why does the world hate us so much? Because you're a Christian. It hates Christ. But the sufferings aren't compared to to the glory that is to be revealed to us. We want to hold your place there in Romans 8. We're going to go back to Genesis. I'm going to come back to Romans 8 in a second. He says, all, things, all these things are against me, but Jacob, God has been working his good plans for you. Why? Because Jacob, God has to bring you and your family to Egypt to spare them. All these things aren't against you necessarily. All these things God is working for you, Jacob. You see this, this is a pattern in Scripture time and time again. I'm going to just go through. When Adam and Eve sinned and we were separated from God, it seemed like everything was against us. But God says, I'm going to provide somebody to crush the serpent's head. When, when Job is going through his problems and he feels like, he says, remember that my life is but breath, my eye will not see good again. Job, Job thinks that everything's done. But little does he realize that God is actually demonstrating his faith before Satan. Abraham, who's promised a son, has to wait years, and at times going on and on and on. Time is going by. He's not getting any younger. His wife has been barren. All things seem to be against him, but God is waiting for the moment to bring in Isaac, where at the same time he's developing Abraham into a man of faith. Multiple times in Scripture, you see this example where everything seems to be against the people of God, but God was working. And the question is, 
Are we going to look to God during those times? Naomi felt this way. She lost a husband. She lost two sons. Now she is going back to her land, and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, wants to, wants to be with her. And Naomi says these words in Ruth chapter 1, verse 13, and, and, or verse 12, "'Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband.'" If I said I have hope and, and if I had a husband tonight and also bear sons, if I bear, well, are you going to wait till my son grows up to marry him? And then she says, no, my daughters, it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. That's all she sees is everything against her, but she doesn't realize, no, Naomi, God is not against you. He's going to work through you by, because Ruth is going to marry Boaz and they're going to have children and great or grandchild Great-grandchild is me, David, and then Jesus through that. I think God does some of his best works when it feels like that all things are against us. Amen? Elijah felt that way. We looked at last week, 1 Kings 19. Woe is me. God killed me, right? I'm the only one left. God says, I've reserved several thousand. Have my, I still have work for you, Elijah. It's not all done. The problem is our perspective is always over here, and all our little, our little, we're like racehorses. That's all we see, you know. And God says, "Wait a second here." See, all you see is if you're Jacob, right, and all you see what's in front of you, and you react to that, but you forget that God's with you. If you forget that God is with you, all you see is this, and you forget that God has been orchestrating your life. Yes, difficult things too. In fact, God blessed those difficult things. Why? Because those are the times where he has to, not force us, but we have to make the place, am I going to trust in El Shaddai, God Almighty? The Syrians were coming against Israel and against the, 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 uh, the, um, the people of God. And Elisha is there in 2 Kings 6. Go to 2 Kings 6. I want to show you this example. 2 Kings 6. Verse 15, and the, the Arameans, the Assyrians, uh, they are surrounding, they're coming, and everything looks really against them, right? Then the attendant of the man of God, the servant of the man of God, arose early, verse 15, and went out, and behold, a military force with horses and chariots was all around the city, and his young man said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? All things are against us. And in the natural, they were. And I love what Elisha says. Elisha says, verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, O Yahweh, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Oh, may God open our eyes. May God open our eyes. We see what's here. May God open our eyes to El Shaddai, to God being present in our lives. Oh Lord, may God... Open our eyes to what he's doing. And the Lord, it says, Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We feel all alone. And the enemy is too powerful for us. All things are against me. All things are against us. Oh God, open our eyes so we can see the flaming swords around us. That only takes one of them that would destroy them all. What do we do? We pray. Lord, open our eyes. Because what we see isn't the full picture, is it? It's not the end of the story, is it? If you have trusted in Christ, He's Lord. You realize that even Satan has to get permission from Him to tempt you, to try you. 
And I'm like, Lord, why don't you just tell him no? <laughs> why, can you just t- tell him no sometimes, you know? God says, I want to get you from looking here to looking at your God. Because sometimes your problem turns like it's bigger than God. Even God can't handle this. Really? Practical atheists is what we are. How big is our God? He is able. able. Amen. When the Assyrians were coming against Judah, look at 2 Chronicles 32. Go to your, your right. 2 Chronicles 32, Sennacherib is advancing on Jerusalem. And Sennacherib has already taken Israel, and he's taken several other towns of Judah, and he's marching against against Jerusalem, the last hub. And if he takes Jerusalem, there is no Jewish people to this day. The, 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 uh, Isaiah and the Scripture describes it like a flood coming up against Jerusalem, and the flood's coming up to the neck. All things were against them. Hezekiah says in verse 7, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the multitude that is with him. For the what? The one, God, who is with us is greater than the one with him. Okay, make that a life verse. When all things are against you, remember the one that is with you is greater than the one against you. With him is only an arm of flesh. But with us is Yahweh, our God. You don't realize the entire universe and scientists are baffled of how large the universe is. Like this is big. This is so big. We, this is beyond. We, we, you know, we just see a sliver of what could possibly, All of that was created by the word of God and it's sustained by the word of God. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is Yahweh our God to help us in fire battles. And by this, the people of Um, of Judah were sustained. I want you to realize that God is not done, even it seems like that all things are against you. Go back now to chapter 8 of Romans, and let's finish. Because he says, we just read, Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed Skip on down to verse 28. This is the, the verse for us, for Jacob, for Eeyore. Eeyore. And we know and we know that God causes all things. I'm going to read my translation. It's a little bit different that's on the screen. We know that for those who love God, how many of you guys love God? Most of us, okay. (laughs) For those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Let me read what's on this translation. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't mean that everything we experience is good. Okay? Let's just get that straight. It means that he works it all together for good to those who love God, to those who are called into it. It doesn't mean that it happens to every person on this planet Earth. This is for believers. This is the promise we have. So what do we do? I I think, go back to Genesis. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm not done. Hold on. Sorry, I'm distracted now. All things works. Uh, all things work together for, God, for those who love God. Those who are called according to purpose. Skip on down, verse thirty-one. What shall we say then to, the, to these things? 
If God is what? How many of you guys believe that God is for you? Okay. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for us, who can be against us? Boy, but John, the world is really against you. You're right. We face challenges in this world. My goodness. You know, crazy laws that are passed, politicians that go contrary to what... Okay, all that, it's, it's against us. By the way, are you surprised? Are you surprised that somehow culture is turning anti-Christian? Because they're not saved. They're not born again. They don't have the heart of God. They don't have the spirit of God. They're just doing what comes naturally to them. Why are we shocked? All right? I don't know. I'm just... Anyway. The most important thing Jesus says, hey, don't fear Him who can destroy your flesh, who can kill you. Don't fear Him. Fear the one who can destroy your flesh and soul in hell. Let's put that in perspective here. Okay? And if 200 years, 300, 1,000 years, we're going to be in heaven? Because of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ experienced all things against us, for us. Because He experienced the wrath of God for us. That's all things against you. That's true. If you're an unbeliever, all things actually are against you. If you're outside the family of God, you're in the darkness, and all things are against you. But Jesus Christ experienced on the cross the wrath of God poured out on him as if it was us. And in that point of time in history, the goodness of God for us is greater than the goodness of God for Christ. What did you just say? Well, the Puritans said that too, so I have good company with that. That for a time, when God turned his back on Christ, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? He treated Christ as if he was the worst of sinners and turned his back. But because of that, because of the cross, His goodness towards us at at that time was greater than His goodness towards Christ. Does that make sense? Because if you're in Christ, He'll never turn your back on you. You'll never be under the condemnation He was under. All things were against us through Christ. All things were against Jesus when He was on the cross. So that we can never say all things are against us. On the contrary, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him us for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. That means we're we're not guilty before Him. Slate's been clean. Who is the one who condemns? That's the devil. Christ is the one who died. Rather, he was raised, and he is at the right hand of God who intercedes also for us. He is praying, cause John to not look at his problems so much, but look to El Shaddai, God Almighty. Cause, fill in your name, to remember that I'm for him, for her, because Christ has died on the cross. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction? Will turmoil? Will persecution? Will famine? By the way, when you're going through the most difficult things, don't think that God has neglected you or has left you or His love is not for you anymore. In fact, in the midst of that stuff, it doesn't prove, it doesn't prove His love is, is, has left you. The cross is proof of His love. Sorry, ooh, I just ripped my page here. Your new Bible? No. <laughs> just a little tape. I, I, was pulling on the, I was pulling on my little uh, tassel thing, and uh, I'm excited. Anyway, where was I at? Shall turmoil or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Are you convinced of this? Read with me. 
I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say that and say amen, amen, amen? No, all things now are against you. With Christ, God is for you. And yes, you may be going through the trials and tribulations, and for some reason He's allowing that, but He's going to accomplish His perfect will for you. And Jacob, brother, you're about to meet your son. You're about to see your, your, your Joseph. God's about to restore your blessed little guy to you. He's a lot older now, and you'll be like, what is God? You would look back and say, God be praised, because I gave up on me, but God hasn't given up on me. Let's look to God. Let's trust in the Lord. Yes, we're going to go through difficult times, and we're going to have to have wisdom on how to navigate all the the garbage going on in life with relationships and culture and society and all this kind of stuff, but let's not lose focus that God's in control. And there's nothing that can separate us from Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You. And sometimes, Lord, we feel like everything's against us, but help us, Lord, to look to You and to trust and to know that You have not You have not given up, Lord. And for the believer, Lord, You're still working in our lives. All things may not be perfect the way we want them, Lord, but You're causing these things to work together for good. And You're doing it in a way that we would never predict. You're too amazing, Lord. You're too... You're you're, you're just... There are so many things You're working on that are beyond our, our understanding. God, I pray, I, I, I believe, Lord, there's, there's, there's somebody or a couple people here that have gone through some really dark times and they've, they've felt, they've felt uh, just, just, just kind of just wanting to quit. Uh, God, I, I just pray for encouragement. Um, you're, you're, you're not done with that person or those people, Lord. Uh, you're still working, Lord. Uh, we look to you, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. And, and uh, help us, Lord, to, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, knowing that this life is a battle. And help us, Lord, to trust in You. Despite the circumstances, Lord, You're working something good, Lord, because You are good. You are infinitely good. You're perfectly good. Your nature is pure goodness, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do good things in our lives through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. When we stand. I got a little excited there. That's okay. How could you not be excited reading the Bible, you know? I mean, this is better than, you know, any Marvel movie, you know? Because it's not fake special effects, it's real life, you know? Oh, bless the Lord. Ah. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, remember to keep each other in prayer, okay? Because, you know, on Sundays, get a shot of, you know, but the reality is, is the devil is not going to stop attacking or trying to get you discouraged. Well, my, my whole thing is this. Hey, if you need prayer, if you're, just, you're, like, if you're suffering, just text, just give us a text or give somebody a call and say, I need prayer. And it could be a silent, hey, I just need, I'm going through the thick of it right now. We want to be praying for one another because we're all in our own little battles, you know. And we're not immune to it, you know. And one thing, and I went through some deep spiritual battle this week, and I completely forgot about the whole armor of God. We were talking about that yesterday, the whole armor of God. I was like, where's my shield of faith? I forgot about it. I, I, my armor's in my closet, right? Let's not forget we're in the battle. And sometimes we've got to put on the, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, right? And take up the sword of the Spirit. You know, that's why you've got to be in the Word of God.
to get, to get some arrows in your quiver, to get some truth. Because all the enemy does is speak lies to you. He brings you down. He accuses you. God doesn't love you. He's left you. Look, look at your situation. You, this is impossible. That's, that's all discouraging. That's all from the enemy. It's not true. But sometimes you want to believe it's true because it feels like it's you, doesn't it? Right? Those are times you've got to, hey, hey I, I need prayer. Hey, can you lift me up? Call a sister. Call a brother. Call, just do that. Amen? Okay, because we're not Superman, right? We have a Superman in Jesus Christ, but we're we're we need we need help. we're sheep, and we need our shepherd to protect us. All right. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to. Sh- to I lost my train of thought here. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may God turn you to Christ, to trust him, to walk with him day by day. And may he be, he be your defense. Because all things aren't against you. In Christ, he took that for you. Amen? Amen. God's for you. God bless you. See you guys next time, Saturday. And uh, over and out. <laughs>